listening to episode 26 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to do a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. It's Earth Day, and that means Swamp Thing has been resurrected to save us all. <laughs> oh, Marco. <laughs> so does does anyone else picture Marco like Linus from the Peanuts? Like he's just sitting in a swamp somewhere with his little blanket waiting for Swamp Thing to Definitely. show up. Instead of the pumpkin patch. Yep. The great Swamp Thing. He's going to come, guys. We need Phil back. <laughs> Speaking of Phil, uh, Phil is currently MIA. Uh, if you listened to our Iron Fist review special, which we finally were able to get out there, or it should be out soon. Uh you would know that Phil has been captured by some Russian agents. Were they Hydra or were they Hand or – It sounded like they were Hand. They were Hand. Okay. All right. So he got some Russian Hand. <laughs> the Russian sect of the Hand. <laughs> so definitely be on the lookout for that because, uh, yeah, that, that'll give you the follow-up to what's going on with Phil. And for all the rest of the stuff that we do, you can check us out on all podcast hosting platforms, including iTunes, where we are a five-star rated podcast, for which we are very, very, very proud, and we appreciate all the ratings very much. You can hit us up on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you can leave us a like, leave us a comment, share the video with your friends. Subscribe to the channel. All that stuff is vitally important to helping us out. So if you want to support the show, that is currently the best way that you can do it. And we would really appreciate it. So uh, it's a big week. Big week in comics. Big week in news. There's a ton of news. Uh, so we're going to dive right into it with the what we're reading segment. So what are we what are we reading? What are we engaging with this week? Pete, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I didn't get to read quite as much as I wanted to this week, but I did start off some new books that I'm definitely uh, really into. Um, the first thing I wanted to uh, give a shout out to was I finally checked out the Flintstones, uh, which has gotten a lot of really positive press, obviously, um, from DC, from their kind of like Hanna-Barbera relaunch line. I, it has like a specific name, but you know, Lord help me, I can't remember it. Um, I got, I got through the first two issues. And uh, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. Um, it's by uh, Russell Pugh and, and Chuckery. Oh, is this a part of the show where Pete messes up someone's name? <laughs> it doesn't feel good, does it? <laughs> Keeping the bits alive. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, I got through the first two issues. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we can all agree that a lot of times it's hard to judge a book by its first issue. Um, but I definitely, I liked how Flintstones kind of, like, showed its true colors for, like, it, it starts you off kind of, it felt very reminiscent of, like, the Flintstones movie to me, where it was just kind of like, okay, this is, like, standard Flintstones humor, lots of rock puns, all kinds of good stuff, <laughs> but it, it becomes, like, a lot more serious, uh, very quickly, and it, it, it starts kind of subtly through, like, showing you that there's some... You know, they, they, they talk about a war. There's, like, a class struggle here between the, um, I guess, the Homo sapiens and then, like, Cro-Magnon and some of the other, like, contemporary, uh, like, cave peoples or whatever. Um, there's, like, some racial stuff going on there. Um, and then, uh, specifically, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but this, yeah, it's just the first issue, but there's, um, 
a uh, a little like very short subplot about Wilma being an artist and yeah. and like going having an art gallery showing and stuff and like um just having this this struggle because people don't understand her art people don't understand her paintings and uh and it's just it's very like I don't know, it was it was very it was a very human moment you know just like this this very like vulnerable moment between a man and wife and <clears throat> and them getting to know each other a little bit better um so yeah I, I I'm just I'm really excited by it I'm surprised that it was able to like get me so into it just based on that first issue um and I, I read the first one or the second one right after that but uh it was like super late so I didn't get too much further into it but I'm very excited to get through the rest of it this week I picked up the first volume so um I'm definitely I'll definitely get through that at least and have some more thoughts on that next week um beyond that I also started um Axe Cop which is a webcomic that um, is written by a, a, a five-year-old boy and his 29-year-old brother. Um, it's uh, Malachi and Ethan Nicole are the name of the, the creators. Malachi is the five-year-old and Ethan's... Oh, I guess he's not five anymore, but they, they created it back in like 2010. It, it started as a webcomic and uh, like the, the younger brother would kind of like tell the initial story. <clears throat> and then the older brother would draw it and like kind of fill in some of the, the gaps or whatever and clean it up. But it's it's very clearly written by a five year old. Like things happen like like so quickly. Like they just turn on a dime. Like it's like the the it, like each um episode is like one full length comic page, and um like the first episode it's like. The cop finds an axe and becomes axe cop and decides he needs a, a, a partner, so he meets flute cop. And then they go and <laughs> fight dinosaurs. And then the <laughs> flute cop gets dinosaur blood on him and becomes a half dinosaur man. <laughs> so now he's dinosaur soldier. Uh, and then in the, the second issue, they're like, "We need more cops so that we can fight more evil." And then they're having an, uh, they're having interviews for another cop. And then they go and leave to fight a big robot. Like halfway through, it's just like shit just keeps happening, <laughs> and uh, it's just super weird and esoteric, but like it's fun, you know. It's it's very refreshing because like you don't know what's gonna happen, you know. It's like it kind of reminds me of like how Brian uh, Brian K Vaughn was able to bring the really like hyper absurd things from his childhood mm. like drawings and stuff yeah. into Saga, and that makes it so like. Like, yeah, there's, like, TV head people, you know? It's, like, that's a totally weird thing that a kid would come up with. And it's fun. It's fun to kind of, like, see this kid's imagination getting explored. Um, and then, like, it was adapted into, like, a TV show. They had, like, motion comics on the web before that. So it, like, really blew up. And I only heard about it recently because uh, Ego Raptor from the Game Grumps, like, worked on the TV version very briefly. And then they brought it up again recently on uh, a podcast that Kale and I both enjoy called Ear Biscuits. Um, so like it was on my mind. I went and dove into it and, um, yeah, I'm having fun with it. It's definitely, I intend to like, I want to catch up and like, you know, get through the whole thing and maybe check out the show. Cause I love Nick Offerman. He does the voice of Axe Cop. So, um, yeah, definitely, uh, a lot of exciting new stuff this week. Cool. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Uh, Kale? Uh, yeah, I, I was able to read quite a bit this week. I, uh, finished what I have of, uh, Spider Gwen. So I got to meet the alternate uh, version of Captain America, who is uh, uh, Samantha Wilson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it was cool to see her, you know, get to beat up on uh, Spider Gwen and then uh, the Green Goblin. 
uh i also i th- i i bought i bought a few things that i'm really excited about i got uh, black hammer which i uh have been looking forward to for at this point years and i'm so pumped i finally got to get it um uh, i love golden age superheroes and and this uh this mystery of these guys only being able to uh exist in a uh in like a small town on like a farm is just endlessly fascinating to me i can't wait to um keep going with this book and um the uh uh uh, uh this is the first time i've ever been on the bottom floor of a uh, a jeff lemire epic so i'm also really excited about that i you know i, I didn't get to uh sweet tooth until you know it was way way finished uh so i'm really excited to to get to to go on with a uh, black hammer uh, cool. Sean, I did, I did uh, get into uh, the second volume of uh, Bat- Tom King's Batman. Um, I am yeah, suicide, yeah. Um, and it was good. I'm, I, I still don't think I'm as sold as you are. Um, we sort, we we sort of talked talked about it, uh, you know, off mic, just because I wanted the clarification. Uh, there's there's a panel, so uh, Tom King sort of echoes you know the the history of of bane and batman by by breaking batman's back but then maybe a page or two later he throws batman into a little uh cell and batman starts climbing the wall and then he re- he re-breaks it to he breaks his back back in to place. like fix it yeah uh and i just like that <laughs> it was that uh, that was the only moment that I went, what? Come on. <laughs> I mean, it could have been like, you know, like what? Like a, like in, in The Dark Knight Rises, right? Batman doesn't get his back broken. He gets like a vertebrae out of place or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Could have been something like that. Sure. You know? It's just one of those things that's like. Or like maybe the, maybe the implication is because it's happened to him before and he knows how to fix it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I told, I, uh, like I buy that. It's just you know, it was just my immediate reaction was just sort of, yeah. I don't know. Come on, <laughs> um, but um, this is also the arc that you had spoken about on the uh, on the on the show uh, with uh, uh, Catwoman and, and Batman's uh, letters to each other. Um, that it was really it was interesting. I don't know. You don't know what? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That had a Batman's letter was pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yes. It's just like <laughs> it's just like I just I, I I okay. I'll buy that. You know, the the whole the whole Batman shtick is basically Bruce trying to kill himself. I get that. Yeah. I just I don't know. Uh, maybe that's uh maybe i don't know go ahead i and that's it i i don't know like it just didn't. okay that that's not what that's okay so what kills referencing is that batman and catwoman kind of send letters to each other and in batman's he says that and this is where i think you might have missed the message batman says that him accepting the mission of taking on you know the war on crime is the same thing as committing suicide because at some point or another, 
it's going to lead to his death, and he's fully aware of that. So it's it's not that he was like, oh, I want to kill myself. No, yeah. It was that he's like, I know that this is what I, like, I am, I am committing suicide, but I don't, you know, like, that's not what I want, you know? Maybe, maybe it's just one of those things that's like, the, like, this has been said before, uh, so it didn't hit me as hard. You know, I know we had that discussion with, uh, Marco and Arkham Asylum. Uh, but I just like, it didn't, I can see how it would be sort of profound, but I don't know. It didn't impact me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I think the, the real like weight of it wasn't necessarily in the revelation per se. Cause you're right. It's like, you know, obviously, but for me, at least it was the weight that was kind of felt in the in the dialogue and in the verbiage um i just really i really connected with this man who you know as a child basically made this commitment to like i'm going to do whatever it takes to avenge the death of my parents and make sure that nothing like this happens again like every time that i can stop this that's a win but i'm gonna die doing it i just i don't know i really connected with that for some reason Mm. To each his own, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what else? Did you I I uh, I will say I really enjoyed um, the Catwoman twist. Um, and when so in the original pitch, you know, it was Batman puts together his own Suicide Squad to go take on Bane, right? Uh, and I was like, man, that's real dumb. Uh, but actually, I was impressed. Um, and especially with how they take Bane out and capture uh, Psycho Pirate. Um. They use uh, the ventriloquist, who's supposed to be reformed, um, and uh, it was really, really interesting. Yeah, I thought, I, yeah, I thought the the suicide school or the suicide squad deal was going to be silly, but like you, I was very impressed by the end. Um, I'm also i I didn't realize this, and I mean, obviously, because I hadn't been you know reading the book, there, uh, I, it looks like Saturn Girl is in the uh, in Arkham, and. Uh, the the previews I've seen from the button for this week, uh, she she makes a big deal about, you know, we see her again. I guess is what I'm saying. So that's that's uh, that's really exciting. I, I really enjoy the Legion. Um, oh, one other one last thing I wanted to say about uh, the Batman book. Um, one thing I really think is cool is when you know Batman has these huge elaborate um action sequences and they're uh like where he fights like 20s and 30s of guys at a time and um i think you mentioned this sean he uh he he sort of narrates over the action so while you're looking at the action you're also sort of hearing his monologue at the same time um and it it sort of struck me as this really um almost dreamlike uh, action sequence, you know, where he's sort of disconnected from himself, uh, or from his body as he's going through and beating the crap out of all these guys and, and having this moment at the same time. Yeah, kind of like he's, like, going through the motions, almost, because he's done this a million times. Like he's just, he's removed from it, and his body is so well-trained <laughs> that he just, it just happens. Yeah, and I also wonder if there's some, uh, if there's some, like, um, 
battle element to that where like you know your adrenaline's pumping and your body is working and you know your mind is able to go somewhere else i wonder if if that's you know with, with what we know of of tom king's like you know cia and and military background i wonder if there's a, a connection there well i mean that's definitely a thing that soldiers describe you know is like that you you do kind of um you get this like level of detachment you know of, of just like because you're trained to to kill for one thing and then it's also just kind of like if you're gonna survive you have to kind of like get used to it you know and like and have that kind of like I guess, like, almost, like, warrior mentality, right? So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that was kind of informed by either his own experience or the experiences of people that he knows. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was uh, portrayed really, really well. Um, I also, I bought uh, Images Headlopper uh, by Andrew W. McLean. Um, I'm really excited to get through that. Looking forward to uh, a, a cool, hard uh, fantasy graphic novel. And I also got uh, Kagan McLeod's uh, Infinite Kung Fu, uh, which I'm also really excited about. So, Very up your alley. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Marco? Um, so this week I got to read uh, Miss Marvel. And it was um, it was a really cool book. Really, really uh, well presented. It was the first volume, right? Yeah, first volume. Um, and I dug it. It was really, really, uh, really cool. Um I liked how um, Wilson sort of addresses um, certain issues that aren't necessarily um, solely uh, related to, like to Muslims and stuff. So um, like it was things that I could relate to being uh, being the son of an immigrant, um, and also some of the the things that she has to go through. Uh, uh, Kamala, she has to deal with her culture and then the her American identity, and it it's a really it, it was really really well represented. I think very very um uh authentic, very very authentic. Um, so I enjoyed that a lot, and I finished New Frontier, which was super super cool, really really awesome book. I uh didn't expect that I would enjoy it as much as I did, and it really it blew me away the um just having all those heroes that you sort of well that i sort of know kind of just from the more recent stuff and then seeing how they sort of all come to be in their own well certain characters at least um how they sort of come to be and i started the beauty by image another std related uh horror book <laughs> is that your new favorite subgenre, Marco? Yeah, STD and yeah. body horror. <laughs> it's about. I think you might belong on the long one. <laughs> well, yeah. If nothing else, maybe we can trade Marco for Tyler, and uh, <laughs> maybe maybe between us, we'll have a decent show. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about an STD called the Beauty. That when you get it, uh, your body is. Uh, it becomes beautiful. Like you, you lose, uh, you lose fat. You, uh, your body sort of regresses in age, and so it's a, it's an STD that people want. And then, yeah, that's right. How can I get this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't mind then, if I do. It's gonna pay my rent. Too. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh this happens in like the like the first couple pages but there's a beauty uh that, that's what they call it there's a beauty related um incident in which uh this woman her fate her like she combusts internally and um her skin becomes like really porcelain and uh like rigor mortis sets in really fast and so it, it's it, it's pretty messed up um and it becomes like a a, a crime story um because then there's like e- there's uh terrorists that are involved that are anti anti-beauty and all this stuff and so you know there's that i'm 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 only on the second issue so far so but it's turning, looking to be like a good book um what's it called the beauty that's cool man <laughs> i also yeah, finished it sounds, very interesting. sounds really good um i also finished the second volume of sheriff of babylon so pete really really dug nice. it really dug it um and i got i started tom king's novel um uh oh my god i'm forgetting the title a once crowded sky yeah That's oh there it is once crowded sky yep yeah and um and yeah it's start it's starting out kind of unconventional i thought it was sort of a more of a exploration of superheroes from like maybe an academic academic standpoint but it's actually just a, a fiction story about superheroes so it's kind of weird to be reading about superheroes and not having that visual there that i'm that you're kind of used to so it's a, it's a little jarring but um uh i'm only on the first couple of pages so I'll, I'll update as we as i go on cool well i i really want to pick that up too it sounds really interesting i have a question for you marco yeah uh will you continue to read miss marvel yeah yeah uh i think so i, I really liked it I, is she still is it still ongoing Yep. Cool, cool, yeah. For now, yeah. For oh, yeah. Now. For now, yeah. For now. Until, oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Until the Marvel Hydra takes over. <laughs> Speaking of the Marvel Hydra, I am so excited because this week Secret Empire uh, issue zero dropped, and uh, I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. If you listen to the show regularly, then you know that I'm a big fan of what Nick Spencer's been doing with Captain America. Since the start of his run, I think uh, Hydra Cap is great. And Harless uh, Monster. <laughs> but before I before I talk about Secret Empire, I, I do want to say that I went to Midtown Comics this week, which is, you know, the the big uh comic book store in New York. They've got a bunch of different locations. And something funny was that, you know, I, I picked up this baby, X-Men Gold, right? And you'll notice uh it's it's actually in uh, it's sleeved and everything. They had a bunch of copies, whereas most stores are sold out. And if you, you know, because of all the controversy with the artist, um, this book is going for like 50 bucks on eBay. Yeah, right? I so, really want to pick one up. Yeah, so what does Midtown do? They're charging $10 for the individual issue. Yeah, dude. I, I'm like, I'm so pissed because I was at the comic book store the day all the controversy came out. And I was like... Maybe I'll pick up X Men Gold, and I was like, "Hey, you know what? Let, let me like let me see what the guys think first. Like, I don't know if I if I'm really gonna get into this. Fuck! <laughs> like, I had it in my hands. The other the other thing that dropped uh, this week before I talk about Secret Empire is uh, Batman Twenty One, and this issue starts the Button storyline, which is kind of where they're following up with the Watchmen stuff. So if you cared about that from Rebirth, yes, yes, I know you didn't care for it. Uh, but this is the this is the continuation, and I, I gotta say, 
you know, this issue is really good. It's really good. Uh, I I am going to go into some spoiler territory, so if you don't want to hear this, like, do you guys care? I, I'm going to take my headphones off, so you can do yeah, it. Yeah, okay, all right, gonna... all right, all right, all right, I'll avoid the spoilers. Okay. Okay. Um, you got me to actually start I, reading Tom King Batman. You can't spoil it for me fair now. Yeah, and fair I, enough, yeah, totally this is the kind of thing that I, like, I'm intrigued enough that I might not pick it up by the issues, but if I can avoid it altogether until I can get it in the trade, I, I think I will. All right, so... Uh, it's it's actually slower than I thought it would be. It, this is a four-issue crossover. This one is really just a slow burn. It does give us uh, two characters that I really did not expect to see at all. Like, not at all. They're not Watchmen characters. They're, they're totally unrelated. And I was really surprised um, that they were here. So, uh, Tom- question. And- <laughs> no, is it, is it Swap Thing? Absolutely not. No, because he's supposed um, to cross over. Yes. It's in 24, I think. Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, these characters kind of set things in motion in a really big way. And, you know, there's a lot of tie-ins to uh, Flashpoint, which I was really surprised by because that was years ago. Um, but it's clear to me that, you know, DCs, they have their stuff together in terms of they really want to, to give us a clear understanding of what took place. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and Tom King does some really, really good stuff with the script. Um, he goes back to that um, 12, 12 panel grid, which I really liked. You know, that was something we enjoyed about Sheriff of Babylon and Omega Men. So it, it definitely yeah, he makes, does that a lot. Yeah, it definitely makes a return here. And it's done in a way like it's utilized in a way that was very ingenious. So. I look forward That's to hearing dope, what you man. guys think about it. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking we might not see that in Batman just because like it's you know like it's a month to month kind of thing and like I, I feel like a lot of books they don't usually go for that route because it does create like a lot more work. So he actually kind of- yeah he actually employs it uh, a couple times prior to this issue and he employs it in twenty. Batman 20, which I just... Oh, okay, cool. That's yeah. awesome. I think that, that was the just... thing, like, I noticed when I picked up the first few issues of, of Batman, uh, was that, like, just the pacing felt so much different than the other Tom King stuff I had read, so... That's cool. I'm glad to see it make a return. Definitely. I and love then... that shit. Like, I love the 12-panel, like, layout. It's such a great way to, like, Gee, shove guys, way more story sh- into a book. Guys, are you talking about the 9-panel grid? Yeah. Oh, nine sorry. Panel. Okay. Yeah, nine panel. Yeah. It's like twelve panels. What am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> that artist has to hate Tom King. That's not a good thing. <laughs> well, so it's it's again, it's done really well, and I think this is an excellent issue. And so, if you care at all about what DC is doing, it's worth the read. Uh, but but moving moving right along to the thing that I'm really excited about. Moving uh, guys so, right along. Right along into the see the joke here is that Nazis are uh uh the the hard right. That's Boo. the joke there. We're Thanks, moving Kale. alt right along. Moving moving Reich along. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I mean, you just keep throwing those darts, to, man. Eventually, to, <laughs> something will land. Had to workshop the joke a little bit, but we got it. <laughs> so, Secret Empire Zero dropped. Why this is a zero issue, I have no idea. It is. It, it's essential. You cannot. I don't see how you can read 
this event without reading the Zero issue. Marvel has done this quite a bit over the last few events that they've done, and the Zero issues are always a must-read, so I wish they would stop. But that being said, this is a phenomenal comic. I truly believe that. Uh, it, it it doesn't answer a ton of questions. It does raise quite a few. Uh, are we opposed to spoilers here, or what's up? I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not going to read, read that one. Sorry. Yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> you guys aren't going to read this? Nope. Oh, my God, you're breaking my heart. Okay, so... There's some there's some like pre preamble kind of stuff that shows us how Captain America goes from be, being um, aligned with Hydra to becoming the Sentinel of, of Liberty and how he forgets all this or not forgets, but how he's saved. For, well, let me just explain what actually happens. So this comic says that World War Two was actually won by the Axis. And that well, he's, the, he's from another universe, right? Yeah, Did that happened. Yeah, well, maybe, right? Uh, the comic says that that World War Two was won by the Nazis, won by the Axis powers, and that the Americans created the Cosmic Cube in order to rewrite history so that the Americans won World War Two, and that, and so they wanted Captain America to step in this pool that would prevent him from losing his memory and being affected and so that he could carry out the Hydra mission and one day take over and bring back the the timeline that he's from and write and write everything so that's so that's what has people going crazy right now on all the forums everybody's pissed off because the implication is that Captain America has always been evil what's hilarious and, to me and also mind you that the Nazis won World War 2 Right. But what's hilarious to me is that it's it's very clear that that is not true. Uh in the in the book itself, Cap is looking into this pool. He sees his interactions with the Avengers as things that will happen in the future, and he's questioning what what it is, and the individuals who are kind of trying to save him, quote unquote, are telling him ignore that, don't worry about that, just jump in, it'll save you. You'll be the the leader of Hydra, you know, you'll carry out the mission. So it's just it's hilarious that everyone is having this major crazy reaction when the book itself, you know, is pretty clear about the fact that he's being fooled. Um, it sets up a great story. The way that all the chips fall into fall into order is really interesting. And one of the things that makes this so cool is that Captain America is one of the greatest tacticians in the Marvel Universe, but he's always been in the side of good. So how does someone like that operate when they're evil? And getting to see that is actually awesome. Uh, so I'm really excited for where they go in the future. The art is phenomenal. Nick Spencer, you know what? He gets a lot of crap. We'll talk about some of that stuff later. But I'm a big fan of his. And I think that this is one of his best scripts yet. So Cool. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, at least somebody is, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into a little bit of reader mail. We got a, a comment on one of our YouTube videos. So Pete, why don't you take it away? Uh, all right, so we've got a comment from Emily Coleman on episode three, our Doctor Strange review uh, on YouTube. And uh, Emily writes in and says, I'm so glad you guys talked about the difficulty of reading panels. It's something that's really intimidating when you're starting out in comics. The couple of posts I've written trying to convince book readers to pick up comics, I break it up into which comics to start with that are really straightforward to read, panel-wise, and which ones will be a little more, quote, experimental, unquote, with, uh, with their panels. So while I recommend you read them, wait until you're comfortable with panels. So thank you for writing in, Emily. 
yeah, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you appreciating us. <laughs> I can speak for myself and say that when when I first started reading comics for probably the first five years or so, um, I struggled to figure out exactly how to read books um, because sometimes there are there are pages that are two page spreads, but they have panels in them. Sometimes there are two-page spreads that have no panels. That can be pretty confusing. Uh, depending on the layout, it can be confusing whether you're supposed to read the panel on the right next or the panel on the left. It, you know, it can be jarring. So I, I definitely am glad that there are people out there who make it their business to teach new readers how to read these books. Because I think that if you're not committed to the hobby, you can fall off just because you don't understand how to look at the thing. Honestly, like, we, should, we should think about making a video about it like maybe we could do something like that uh, well and just just to address it here uh one of the easiest ways uh you know one of the the best pieces of advice i could give is just to to uh, you know explain like the the panel structure right so you've got the the way i describe it is it, it, think of like an ice cube tray you take you know the place where the ice goes is the panel you know, it's the actual picture. And then as you go across, there's the gap which separates, you know, the ice, right? So the gap there is what you're filling in. So, you know, say you've got a guy, you know, Spider-Man and a guy are squaring off in one picture. And the next one, Spider-Man's punching the guy. So what you're what you're filling in in the gutter there is the, uh, is the act of Spider-Man going up to this guy and punching him. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's comics 101, you know, that's, uh, if you want more on that, I would check out, uh, Understanding Comics by, uh, Scott McCloud. Uh, great book. Really great book for beginning readers, uh, of, of any age and, um, ability. Yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. And thank you, Emily, for writing in. Uh, again, you know, that was a YouTube comment, but you can leave us comments in many forms. I already did that at the uh, start of the show. I'll do it again later. Um, but just to plug the email real quick, that's thecomicspals at gmail.com. If you want to get to us, that is the best possible. Uh, well, I was just going to say, uh, we also got one more email from uh, what seems to be a time-displaced Philip Casey. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, so I'm just, uh, I don't know if you've seen, uh, I've got it here, Pete. Uh, his uh, his uh, I don't know if you've seen his Facebook, but he seems to be trapped in the 1980s. Uh, we uh, we'll see if we can post a, a picture from it, uh, and maybe we can play a, a game of Where's Phil. But I'll just read this email real quick, dear pals. It's your most humble pal, Phil. <laughs> All already, I'm skeptical. <laughs> All right, <laughs> <laughs> I've been taken hostage by the Russian hand. I'm scribing this letter with my blood, sweet, and tears from my <laughs> solitary confinement cell. I'm being tortured via being forced to read Lobdell books from hours on end. Oh, God. If I do not make it out of this alive, tell Marco he can't touch any of my stuff. <laughs> and to all... No, I'm not going to read that last part, Phil. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, do it! <laughs> Forever struggling, Phil. P.S. Kale, get good. Well, I'm trying. Captain America and the Avengers rules. All right. Thanks, Phil. Uh, Godspeed in the 1980s. 
We we miss you, buddy. Wherever you, whenever you are. <laughs> well, that may be the last we hear of Phil Casey, and in that case, hallelujah. Ooh, now, yikes. So yeah, if you want to apply to be the new fifth pal, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the comics pals at gmail dot com. So let's do our random question. So, in honor of the issue zero of Marvel Secret Empire dropping this week, who are, what's your favorite instance of a good guy gone bad or a bad guy turning over a new leaf? I I so I I had a similar uh, reaction to the uh, the furor of uh, Doc Ock taking over Peter Parker and the Superior Spider Man arc. Um, I, and because, you know, they had to play the long-term game, you know, to, to put up a bluff for, uh, for all the naysayers, I didn't read a lot of it, but I did pay attention to, like, the important stuff, and there was one, you know, it was, the thing that sold that story for me was, I saw one, one small moment where this you know the the idea could be solved uh spider-man's talking to the avengers and and they're uh you know ghost peter is trying to write black widow a note and uh you know through his own body or whatever and uh yeah yeah yeah. and they're uh uh it doesn't work but at the same time like they're they're scanning over you know uh peter's you know mind and they're trying to figure some stuff out and they're using all of Tony Stark's equipment, but Tony Stark wasn't there. And for me, 30 issues later, Tony Stark shows up and he goes, Oh wait, but this is my stuff. Like, yeah, let me take a look at it. And I went, Oh my God, that's it. I figured it out. He's coming back. Um, and that was what sort of like, like as sort of predictable as it was, I really wanted to find that hole. And the fact that I found it and Dan Slott kept to it, really, uh, it it filled me with you know hope, I guess. Cool. So your so your answer is superior Spider Man. Yeah, superior Spider Man. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so for me, I was thinking about it, and my favorite example is something that I really don't want to say because it's in Invincible, and I really want people to read Invincible, and I get none of you have. Kale has, but not far enough to to have this reveal. Oh, fuck. Yeah, um, don't say anything. So, A, I would ruin it for him, and B, I would ruin it for all the people that I know are going to go read the book after the movie comes the, out. The fact, so. the fact that you just said something made me so apprehensive that I, I'm really upset now. Why? Just, I mean, the fact that you went, uh, invincible. Oh, well. No, Pete, God! Yeah, well, get ready. Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a heel turn in that book that is my favorite that I won't reveal. If you are a fan and want to know, you can get at me on Twitter and I'll, I'll tell you, but uh, I'm not going to say that. So I'm going to give an honorable mention to a non-comics answer, and it's Dragon Ball Z, because Dragon Ball Z does the best job of taking a former villain and making them a homie. Piccolo, Vegeta, that's the squad, man. Fucking yeah. literally everybody, like every one of the Z fighters is some dick that Goku fights, and they're just like, <laughs> you're pretty cool, let's be pros. Majin Buu, right? Like, yeah, Buu. I mean, even Tien and Yamcha, like, fucking Yajirobe, like, literally everybody. <laughs> Krillin, even Krillin, total dick in Dragon Ball, and then he becomes his best friend. 
That's a good one. So I'm going to get the entire cast of the Z-Beaters. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a cheat, but I'll allow it, considering you couldn't give us your first answer. That's fair. Uh, Marco, do you have one? Um, the only one I can think of that... Um, it's in uh, it's in Swamp Thing, mm, but it's... Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's... Um, Matt, he... He's uh, this really loving uh, like husband, but then he turns into an alcoholic uh, due to trauma from uh, his previous job. And then he is trying to help save his uh, his wife uh, at that time, Abby, Abby Arcane. Uh, he he drives drunk. He gets um, he crashes and he's like on the brink of death. And what he does is he allows um some other entities to sort of take his take his body and then later it's revealed that it's actually uh it's actually swamp things uh, like arch enemy and that it's abby's uncle so for like a couple weeks they've been having a relationship where she's where he's basically been like having sex with his uh his niece and Jesus. yeah and um and then it's revealed that he's actually he reveals himself after he kills his niece and makes swamp thing go save her soul in hell <laughs> whoa yeah this is the kind of shit that marco likes to read yeah it's, <laughs> he likes to read about stds incest and hell <laughs> it's in the first arc guys super good super good book it's only in the first arc yeah, that's the first. That's the what well, the hell like, is in the rest of it? Uh, even worse stuff, dude. It like I love, I love talking to Marco about like the like the deep horror shit that he likes. <laughs> and, like Swamp Thing's not particularly a deep cut, but it's just like you would never expect it from him. <laughs> He's got such a like, he has such a sweet disposition and demeanor, and there's just like, oh yeah, I'm reading this book about this horrible disease that ravages people's <laughs> genitals. Yeah. <laughs> You sold me. Who's the writer on that book? Uh, Alan Moore. Oh well, I'm in. I'm gonna have to buy that now. Have you Have you guys really never like read like the the first first arc of? Uh, no, I've no? no? never read any. I've never read thing. Alan yeah. Moore. Yeah, I I really recommend it. It's really really um really heavy. Uh, and then that same issue where he goes to hell. It's an um, it's like an allegory for Dante's Inferno and Paradiso and Purgatorio. And it just I like it's it's really really good. Um, I really recommend it, Sean. I think I think you like it. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind. You you sold me, so I'm gonna buy that real soon. Awesome. Uh, as for my answer, for my money, the greatest good guy gone bad ever is Two Face, Harvey oh, Dent. Oh yeah, that's a great that's pick. good. That's a good one. That's a really good pick. Two Face is in my top five villains of all time. So he's always on my mind. And uh, I feel like that's one of those instances where it was done really, really well. Yo, can I real quick, like, I, I know I mentioned it when it was like topical, but I don't think any of you guys took my advice. Um, Sean, at the very least, go play the Telltale uh, series they did for Batman last year. It's, it's really good. And it's a, it's a two-faced story. Yeah, I was meaning to pick it up once it got released as a as a one you know one game. One yeah, game yeah, release. they did that. 
So cool. So yeah, now now's a great opportunity for definitely me. check it out. Like the first episode is really slow. Um, so that's like that amounts to like the first two hours of the game, roughly, if you're playing it in one sitting. But um, it's re- it it ends up going some really fun places and like take some really serious liberties with the Batman mythos in a way that you wouldn't expect. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to plug that again because it's fucking cool. really good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds worth checking out. That's really so interesting. Do so. Nice. So let's do some news because this was a massive, massive news week. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Marvel stuff came out this week. And we're going to start off with uh, some news about Guardians because we finally have an answer as to whether or not James Gunn will return to close out the trilogy. Guardians 2 is just weeks away from release. And James like, Gunn literally, took to... it's less than a month now. Yeah. I'm so excited. I got my tickets. Oh, yeah, you did. James Gunn took to Twitter, or I'm sorry, Facebook of all places, to make an announcement about whether or not he'll come back for the third installment. And the answer is, yes, he will. And here's a quote from his... Um, from his Facebook post. In the end, my love for Rocket, Groot, Gamora, Star-Lord, Yondu, Mantis, Drax, and Nebula, and some of the other forthcoming heroes goes deeper than you guys can possibly imagine, and I feel they have more adventures to go on and things to learn about themselves in the wonderful and sometimes terrifying universe we all inhabit. And like in both Volume 1 and Volume 2, we will work on creating the story that goes beyond what you expect. Now, that was one piece of the really interesting stuff that we got from that Facebook post, but here's the other part. Much of what's happened in the MCU for the past 10 or so years has been leading, in a big way, to the Avengers Infinity War. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will happen after all that. It will conclude the story of this iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy and help catapult both old and new Marvel characters into the next 10 years and beyond. Now, we learned learned that he's actually going to be sort of involved in spearheading where the marvel cosmic stuff is going to go nice. for you know who knows how long i mean he said 10 years and beyond who knows that's really exciting it sounds like they're going to really start establishing like a lot more cosmic properties based on this that's gonna be cool yeah yeah i mean marvel cosmic like that's like one of the things that i think marvel definitely does really really well strong yeah 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 um, there's some really cool shit that goes on in like the deep annals of, of the Marvel cosmic. What's so interesting about you saying that and about this sort of acceptance of Marvel cosmic on film is that uh, when the Marvel Cinematic Universe first started and even through phase one and some of phase two, uh, most people felt like it wouldn't work. Like you couldn't do cosmic stuff on screen and that people would have rejected. That's why Thor one and two are so sort of muted and we talked about that i believe we yeah. talked about that last week uh but now you can go all out and i think and guardians james, proved it yeah yeah it's like yeah all right this works james gunn is the reason that we are get that we we got that thor trailer and that we're getting a movie that looks the way that movie does uh so i feel like he's he's as valuable to what marvel is doing as anyone including joss whedon i think oh yeah dude yeah and J- like i'm a huge james gunn fan like i i love him and uh i mean he nailed guardians and like i nobody thought guardians was gonna work nobody i didn't think it was gonna work and yeah i mean like i'm i'm so glad he's down to do another one like i'm glad that he is excited to do the trilogy and finish it out you know because i'm sure that he's gonna leave us on a really high note before he walks away yep 
I totally agree. And um, it'll it'll be a little bittersweet just because I love what he's done with the Guardians. Obviously, I haven't seen Guardians too, but I have high expectations and high hopes. And I believe he'll knock it out of the park. All the early reviews, or not reviews because they have embargoes, but the early comments have been positive. Yeah. So. Yeah, everything seems pretty positive, so. Yep. So, so in more Marvel, Marvel news, because there was a lot of it this week, uh, Ke- Kevin Feige also had a lot to say about the future of Marvel's films when he allowed the press to visit the Marvel Studios headquarters in California. Uh, footage from Black Panther was shown off, and some character designs for the upcoming films were shown off, including Thanos, who reportedly looked really cool. Uh, but the most important stuff was what we heard from Feige himself. Uh, he had a lot to say about uh, all manner of things, including Spider-Man, who we now know will be in Avengers 4, uh, which is cool, although not really a surprise. Uh, what is maybe a surprise to some people, although we did discuss this previously, is that um, Feige said that's as far as it goes for now, meaning the Homecoming sequel and Avengers 4 is all that they have planned for Spider-Man because they will have to re-up the deal with Sony in the event that they want to do more things, which I cannot imagine that Marvel at least won't want to do more. Yeah. Yeah. Sony might want to pull out, but yeah, that would be ridiculous. Exactly. Um, he had some things to say about the announcement of James Gunn doing guardians three and what could happen beyond that. He said, I think James in particular has an amazing connection with these characters and with this cosmic world. So he, I think could easily oversee additional stories beyond volume three. And I think has them, I think has them and can just continues to come up with them, which is cool. All of our core writers and filmmakers know what we are doing in other places and help give input on various projects. So the idea of keeping him around as sort of like a, you know, an overseer of all this stuff, I think, yeah, producer, I think that's a really good idea. Um, He had some stuff to say about Josh Brolin playing Cable in Deadpool 2. Uh, he said, we don't He's have fucking any- fired. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a great quote? Uh, he said, we don't have anything written into our contracts about other roles that people can do. Indiana Jones and Han Solo are the same person. It hasn't been a problem. And I think Thanos and Cable are very, two very different characters. He said, Indiana Jones and Han Solo are the same person. Thank, yeah. Thanks for that reference from over 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> And then the other the other sort of major thing he said was that um, there are no plans for an R-rated Marvel movie. Good. Uh, his quote Good. was, my takeaway from Good. both of those films, referring to Logan and Deadpool, is not the R-rating. It's the risk they took, the chances they took, and the creative boundaries that they pushed. That should be the takeaway for everything. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think that that is a good thing. We've talked about this on the show as well. I think... You know, to Pete's point in an earlier episode, they could do it and it could, you know, work. It could probably work. They could make a good movie. But I think it's more important that they do sort of what has worked for them and take risks within the boundaries of kind of the sandbox that they're living in. I think, yeah, I think I think it's important for stuff that's mainline Marvel slash DC stays, you know, relatively family friendly. Just, just, I agree with the overall sentiment. Uh, access, you know, so yeah. everybody can have access to it. I think, I think the thing I like about this too is that, like he said, we don't have plans to do it. Not we would never do it because that's the thing I think is the problem is the whole like 
I don't think Logan was made with the intention of like, let's make an R-rated Logan movie. It was like, all right, well, let's make this movie. And the way to do that right is to make it R-rated. So I think like, if that's the, the conclusion they come to with a character, great, make an R-rated movie. But if, if you don't, don't force it. Don't make one just to make one. Don't pull a DC. Yeah, I think I think Logan is is a case of everybody kind of, or at least everyone involved with uh, the Logan character, including the director whose name I can't remember at the moment. Uh, uh, James Mangold. There you go. Uh, felt that the way to do a Logan movie right was to lose the restraints and make an R-rated Wolverine film. Right. Uh, and, and same I thing with Deadpool. That, yeah, and I think that those are examples of two specific characters. For whom that works really well. Do we need it for everyone? Absolutely not. So in small doses, I think it works. And I think for for now, at least, you know, the, the big wigs at Marvel, they've got the right idea to not go down that road until maybe an idea comes across that makes sense to do it with. Well, I think they've also compartmentalized their stuff in a way that makes a lot of sense, right? It's like the characters that I think really make sense to have R-rated movies are somewhere else and have gotten them. And, or they're on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that they're on like Punisher, Daredevil. Those are the, especially on Netflix, where you don't have to maintain like a a TV rating necessarily. Yeah, you know, you can do whatever you want on those basically, and it's like premium. Yeah, so that's definitely the place to do those more uh, R rated or more um, graphic content. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you don't have those same limitations and. Uh, and I think all those characters are the characters that make sense to have R-rated shows or movies, you know? Like, maybe not Luke Cage, but, like, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Punisher. All of those would be the properties I would want to see get an R-rating. Or that I think could benefit from them. You know? And we've already got those. So, that's so the last thing that I want to comment on regarding what Kevin Feige had to say, and this man had a mouthful to say uh, last Monday is that in response to, or I should say following a report, that Scott Derrickson, who directed Doctor Strange, would report would return for a sequel, uh, Feige made it clear that the studio's Phase 4 plans so far only include Avengers 4 and Captain Marvel. And here's the quote. Truthfully, other than knowing that we're going to work with Sony on another Spider-Man film for that year, and that James Gunn is committed to continuing with the Guardians at some point, it's all about Phase 3. I don't even know if it will be called Phase 4. Things will be very different after 2019, after May of 2019. We might, guys, we might call it Phase A. <laughs> well, see I don't know, man. See if we that, can't that, hit that, uh, make the, the DC movie machine work. I don't know, man. To me, that, that means, like, maybe, maybe we might see some kind of, like, reboot for some of the stuff. Like, maybe we might see some of the actors, like, get retired or whatever i think i think it's pretty clear that especially based around all the talk that we've heard over the last you know couple years that we're going to see a lot of our favorite characters you know take a back seat uh they've been building a new core group of of characters you've got black panther who people love doctor strange who people love we're gonna get captain marvel really soon we've got spider-man all these characters are kind of you know emerging and I could see there being a very different Avengers team for whether it's Avengers 4 or Avengers 5 that doesn't include any of the original characters, quite frankly. Yeah, that'd be exciting. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be really shocking. Yeah. Well, and this is something that I'm I'm personally invested in. The original Avengers team is very sort of 
basic, right? It, it does not very colorful in the sense that they're all white people. Um, you only have one woman. I would love to see more of a diverse team. And so far, you know, we're, we've got Black Panther, who I think is going to, you know, undoubtedly be an Avenger at some point. Uh, we've got Falcon, who already is an Avenger. Uh, Captain Marvel's on the way. So I feel like there's an opportunity to really diversify that Avengers roster and include just different personalities, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and man and Wasp. Oh, yeah, too. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so that's that's really exciting news. And, you know, we've got... You know, we've got a, an opportunity to say goodbye to this team with Avengers 3 and potentially Avengers 4. So I'm ready for that, I think, at this point, after 10 years. Uh, so speaking... Go yeah, ahead. it's interesting just because, like, do they... I, I have a hard time believing they're going to kill these characters off, right? Like, that's the thing I, I have trouble reconciling with because I feel like that that goes against, like, the machine, as it were, you know? But I guess not, because maybe they kill them off, and then that opens them up to bring them back, like resurrect them, but with different actors or something. Well, I also think that there are easy ways to write certain characters off. Like Thor, he's got Asgard. Uh, Yeah, right. He's the Hulk. Um, Hawkeye wants to retire. I could see a scenario where maybe Black Widow retires or just sticks to the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff and decides that the world saving is not really for her. So there's and, – and Captain America could leave the shield behind. He could die and, you know, that, that's something that we could do, see him pass the shield. So Yeah, maybe Bucky gets yeah. the scat. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I just – I have a hard time thinking that they're really going to change the status quo too much, you know? Yeah. I mean it remains to be seen. A lot of what we just discussed, a lot of his comments about, you know, taking risks and how – 2019 things will look totally different they lead me to believe that they're ready to pull the rug out from under us and give us something new so scott derrickson the director of doctor strange he's actually going to be helming the pilot for hulu's tv adaptation of the graphic novel series lock and key this is actually really cool i knew i recognized his name i couldn't place it that's ah yeah, yeah, yeah if that's him that's ooh, that's gonna be good I'm going to pay attention to that. So is he doing the whole thing or just the pilot? As of now, he's attached to direct just the pilot. Uh, th- because for this particular show, they tried to do a, a, uh, a series before, um, and Fox rejected to pick it up. They had filmed the pilot and everything, and Fox passed. So this is actually their second attempt at doing this. This time around, though, they've assembled a pretty great team. Uh, Joe Hill's going to write the pilot. Uh, he's going to be the executive producer. And Carlton Cuse, who did Bates Motel and Lost, one of my favorite shows, is going to be the showrunner. So between Derrickson, who's got you know box office appeal, and Cuse, who has a history of properties that succeeded on television, I don't see any reason why Lock and Key can't you know find a home. Well, it's got a home on Hulu, uh, but can't find an audience. And really quick, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Marco, maybe this will interest you. Uh, Lock and Key is actually a horror mm-hmm. fantasy series. Oh, so you already know. Yeah, about yeah. It. I'm, uh, it's on my list of books to pick up. Uh, I haven't gotten to it. Uh, but yeah, I've heard good things about it. Kale, have you read this? I've read the first volume. Um, I read it in sort of my early early days of uh, branching out into indie indie comics. And I didn't quite get that it was an ongoing so I read the first volume and I went, 
what is this? This sucks. Because <laughs> there was no ending. Uh, so it's something I would definitely like to revisit. Um, it's always been highly recommended. Um, and I really regret that, you know, I haven't given it uh, more of a chance. Mm-hmm. This is a show that I, I think I will absolutely give a shot. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't have Hulu, uh, but if I, I get it. I guess time. you gonna get it. <laughs> I do. All right. Well, you're gonna have to share that password, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Um, <laughs> And, and 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 this is a comic that I'll pick up because horror comics, that's not a realm that I've delved into too much. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dirk Manning and, and his horror stuff. But beyond that, I haven't read a lot of it. So I would like to try this. Let me know, bud. I'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, thank you. Well, you already gave me the uh, Alan Moore Swamp Thing uh, oh, yeah, recommendation. Yeah. So you're, you're batting 100 right now as far as I'm concerned. Sweet. <laughs> All right, cool. So... Uh, with C2E2 well underway, DC has taken the opportunity to drop some big news about a new line of comics titled Dark Matter that will spin directly out of the Dark Knight's metal event by Snyder and Capullo. So this is actually really, really cool. Um, there will be five books total, at least the start, and they've got some all-star creative teams attached to these books. So um, The Silencer is by Danny Abnett and John Romita Jr., Sideways by Dan Didio and Justin Jordan and Kenneth Rockefort. Immortal Men by James Tinian and Jim Lee. Damage by Robert Venditti and Tony S. Daniel. And New Challengers by Scott Snyder and Andy Hubert. That is an all-star squad of creators. Except for, yeah, except for Dan Didio. Yeah, that's a little weird. I mean, I know he writes, but... Not well. <laughs> yeah... That's yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure why they chose to. I mean, he's the co-publisher, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. But um, here's a quote from Dan Didio: "What excites me most is that this series of books takes full advantage of the talent and vision of the creative team. Comics are a visual medium, and with these titles, the artists are working hand in hand with the writers in shaping the look and direction of their characters. In reaffirming the craft of making comics, we've brought together a master class of talent led by Greg Capullo." Andy Kubert, Jim Lee, and John Romita Jr. helped set the style, tone, and visual direction for these books. With these four industry giants taking the lead, I feel we can bring the power and energy expected from superhero storytelling back to the page. So Dark Matter is taking lesser-known um, properties from DC and kind of reimagining them, reinventing them with new characters. We've talked a lot about new characters not necessarily succeeding, so this is DC's turn at bat to try and craft new characters by giving us the absolute best creative teams that they can forge. But they're they're give... not new though, right? These like you said, they are mostly old characters. Well, it's it's a reinvention of some old concepts with new characters sort of in the okay. mix. Yeah, because yeah. like the challengers are just they just they're just the challengers of the unknown. Well, but it's it's so it's well, right, so it's okay. the new challengers. So it's yeah, it's the new challengers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, but it's the challengers of the unknown for people who know that, like that property. That deep dive. This is yeah, a, yeah. This is a new reinvention of that with new characters. Right. So, yeah. Because like, because like, I was looking at it. Uh, I'm looking at the page again right now, and like one of the things I I remember seeing was I'm trying to find which book it was. Yeah. Here. So sideways. Which is uh, Dan Didio and Justin Jordan uh, with uh, Kenneth Rockefeller on art, and it's it they name drop another previous book that like in influ- uh, that influences the story of this book. 
So it says, forever changed by the events of Dark Knight's Metal, a teenager struggles to live through high school as he comes into contact with Dark Matter and gains the power to teleport through the Dark Dimension. So it's like, it sounds like some of them are actually, like, picking up from previous titles or something. Well, Dark Knight's Metal is is actually the event that oh that's the first okay 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 uh yeah isn't metal that makes sense metal is beginning with dark matter right no dark matter dark matter spinning out of metal so metal metal takes place and then metal's the event all these books come after you exactly dark dark matter is the name of this sort of foe of the new line okay right okay sorry for that that was that was my bad Uh, all good Go ahead. Kevin. I was gonna say my my like I'm obviously I'm pumped about a, a Snyder book on the Challengers and uh, uh, you know one or two of these other things. My I guess my big criticism you know is one I've seen echoed across Twitter. Like there aren't any female creators. There aren't any you know there aren't any. I I, I could be wrong here, but I don't believe there are any like creators of of color. There's no real diversity in this line. Jim in terms Lee, of guess. in terms of creators, yeah, yeah, Jim Jim Lee, but I mean, yeah, he's been the forefront of it all, you know. Yeah. He's yeah. not right. not 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 to downplay, you know, his uh, you know, his his ethnicity or, or whatever, but he's sort of been there the whole time, and he hasn't really put, you know, done anything to help that cause. Yeah, but know? I mean, like, I don't. I, I, I agree with you. I'm not, like, criticizing that point, but I don't really think that's fair either. Like, just because Jim Lee's successful and doesn't, like, make that a platform for him, for other creators and of color. No, I'm, I'm not saying, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that either. That's not what I'm criticizing, but that just Jim Lee, you know, is there, sure, but, you know, they didn't exactly go out of their way to, you know, not use Andy Kubert, you know, or Scott Snyder or... Did, well, I mean, like, it seems like that's kind like, of the point, though, is like to right. use like those big names yeah, to pull people like, in. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think this isn't like this isn't like uh you know a young animals kind of imprint where it's like let's get new young talent but, and let them do. Yeah, things. I'm not talking about new young talent. I'm talking about a diversity of talent. You know, women or creators of color or sure. They could have put Gail Simone on one of these titles. Yeah, I, think, I mean, like you know, Gail Simone would have been a, an easy an easy grab that would have made a lot of sense yeah i i i definitely agree with the criticism but i also feel for dc because on one hand they're trying to uh tell stories with new characters and you know we know how hard that is and one of the ways that you can get that done and it's not even a guaranteed success is to put established creators who have name value on your titles but of course you know unfortunately in the comics industry as it is today the biggest names are all white men you know and and there are other creators on the come up but when you're talking about the established like quote unquote old guard you're talking about you know these guys mostly white dudes yeah it it is kind of weird though when you think about it cuz like there are a lot of but again you know what man it's like it, it's tough right because i think this is you run into an interesting com- conversation here where it's like should should DC have have gotten those other creators to check off boxes or like did they have these people in mind for some other reason like you know what I mean like I believe in that in diversity is important I argue for it on the show every week but I also don't think that doing diversity for the sake of diversity is a good thing like it, it needs to be like it needs to be organic and authentic and like if if they were like pulling in these other people just to check off boxes like 
maybe these like these artists and these writers like wanted to work together, you know, and like they're like, okay, well, this is the stable we have to work with. But it can't be organic and authentic if you're not going to do it. Like check boxes or not, like it's got to happen. You know, it's it's not an organic thing if you're going, oh hey, let's make a thing. I'm going to pay you to make a thing. All right, well, I, yeah. can we get? Off? I'd like to like get off this aspect of it and talk about the actual books. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm really excited about this. I want to see DC try some new things. Uh, I, I'm personally excited for uh, Dark Knight's Metal because I love the pairing of Snyder and Capullo, and I think that they're both extremely talented. The only artist that they have on this list that I don't like is um, <laughs> John Romita Jr. Uh, so You guys fucking hate that guy. <laughs> You know, he's a legend. I pay all respects, but I'm not a fan of his art. His, just, yeah, he's past his prime, I think. Um, I'm really, I yeah, I will say, uh, like, I mean, all all the diversity comments aside, I I legitimately am excited about a new uh, Challengers book. That's something I've been uh, tossing around uh, myself for a while. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what Snyder's got, you know, cooking. Yeah. Marco, do you have any input on this? No, um, I'm going to look forward to it. Probably. Uh, these are some, some uh, maybe teams that I don't know about or books I don't know about that um, I might be interested in getting, and not so much for the like the creators, but just to just to see what else there is, you know. Cool. Yeah, you've yeah. been expanding your horizons lately. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. My plan is I'm going to buy all of them. Like I'm I'm going to pick up every one of these books. Um, I I'm really it. I this is what I want. Yeah, like, this is what I say I always want. And they're giving it to me. So, like, I'm definitely going to go in on this. There's some great names attached here, um, both in art and, and uh, words. But um, also, I was challenged by our friend Matt Murphy over at the Longbox podcast because he was like, I'm so excited to hear what Pete has to say about this. And uh, I want him to read and review every single one of these comics. So I'm going to do that for sure. Was it, there was one in particular that he wanted you to do, wasn't there? Did he call out one specifically? Because I, I remember he, he said that he was going to buy all of them uh, and that he wanted me to review all I'm of them. I'm going to look. Because so, I'm, I'm definitely in to do that, um, for sure. So, yeah, like, to me, this is very exciting news. And oh, okay. it's just the latest in a long line of decisions of DC, like, doing exactly what I what I want to see a comics company do. You know? they're They're implementing these imprints that are focused on doing things that are outside of the status quo while also maintaining a solid status quo for people who want ongoing legacy books and stuff like that. Like they're doing it the right way. You know, like they're diversifying their offerings in a really meaningful way. And across the board, things have been really high quality. So like, man, like I never thought I would see the day where I was like, I'm fucking so over Marvel. And I'm like, man, I want to read like everything DC's doing right now. They're fucking killing it. So, yeah, I'm all in on this. I'm, I'm going to pick up every every time. At least for the first, you know, I'll get for number ones and see what happens. But I can't say I'll follow them all forever, but I'll definitely check them all out. And if they speak to me, I'm... All right, there. all right. So, since we're laying challenges out, I got a challenge for you, Pete. Oh, thank All right, God. what up? All right, I was, wor- I was worried he was going to direct that at me. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to read every issue, there will be 10, of Marvel's Generations. Okay. <laughs> now, for those who are unfamiliar, each issue is a pairing between a legacy hero and a 
you know, newer, more quote unquote modern characters. So, for example, Wolverine, Logan, and all new Wolverine, X23. There's, there will be 10. The creative teams are stellar. Obviously, the characters are some of the best that Marvel has. I would love to see you take that on. Fine. I'll do it. Yes. All I'll right. do it. I'll do All a right. lie. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, for, all man. The, for all the pals, <laughs> Pete's, all right, Pete's gonna so, put up a Pete's gonna put up a Twitch stream of him just reading each comic, and just, <laughs> it's gonna be him sitting there going, "Yes, yeah, pretty good." <laughs> so, I'd like to talk a little bit about Cloak and Dagger, the Cloak and Dagger com- or television series that's gonna hit Freeform because the trailer, the new trailer release, the official trailer. Uh, did you guys all get to check it out? I haven't seen the yeah. trailer, but I saw that a lot of people were not happy with the trailer. Most notably, our friend, Matt Murphy. <laughs> he was <sighs> heated. He was heated about it. <laughs> I, I didn't read his comments. I can't understand why he wouldn't like this. This seems like it's right up his alley. And I'll tell you what else. It's right up my alley. I, at, at my core, right, I love this kind of angsty teenage drama story right are, like how, dawson's wait, creek how are you not watching riverdale i don't know but i really want to be watching riverdale quite frankly and i saw that it's going to be hitting netflix within the next uh few months so what? when it does no. i will be there i'm i'm going to watch i'm going to watch riverdale i don't like i don't seek this stuff out anymore because i feel like you know i probably shouldn't but i'm going to with Riverdale, and I'm definitely watching Cloak and Dagger. This trailer sold me. Uh, I love that at at the heart of it, there's an interracial relationship that I, I think that's awesome, and that we're getting that on television. Um, it paints a pretty cool story as as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the acting seems fine. You know, you can't really judge it too too much by a trailer, but I enjoyed what I saw, and I'm going to watch the show. Yeah, I uh, I don't know, I. I go back and forth with teen drama as, as uh, you know, our, our Riverdale uh, chronicles uh, have shown. But um, uh, for me, this trailer, it really just made it look like, a you know, an ABC family uh, teen drama. Like, uh, it looked fine, you know, if that's what you're into. So um, the reason I, I would say... I'm hesitant about it is Cloak and Dagger is, you know, it's a, it's a hardcore story about addiction and, you know, um, a lot of really dark stuff. And this trailer really made it just kind of seem, you know, stereotypically superhero teen drama stuff. So I'll, that I think that was Murphy's big uh, critique too. So I, I'll, I'll be interested to see if they tackle any of that. Um, I, I hope they do just, you know, for, for, uh, uh, for the property, uh, but also, you know, just, uh, for the sake of doing something different. Yeah. I mean, specifically what he pointed out, I haven't read the source material, so I can't, I can't speak to it too much, but, um, he said that it's a story about runaways and addiction and it's not a happy story. It was born out of the war on drugs. And this version kind of seems like a sexed up boy meets girl, but they get superpowers. And um, uh, what? he also said that there was a scene that seemed to imply that Tandy was about to be sexually assaulted. Yeah. And he was like, can we just stop that? That, like, <laughs> that was where she finds her light powers, Sean. 
I okay, so I guess maybe this is a controversial opinion. I don't know, but I don't think that there's a problem with that because that's a thing that happens in the real world, and she's able to deal with it through her powers and saves herself. And I think that that's a moment of strength and not a moment of weakness. And I think that there's that's fine. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's the moment of strength or weakness that's a problem. I think it's just that that's a device that's pretty overused, and you know, it it puts women in a kind of a gross position where all they are are rape devices See, like i i don't want to get too in the weeds on this because like you know that's not, like not what we're talking about here but um i agree with both of you like i i, I do feel like like anytime that comes up people are just like we should never use this plot device and i don't know if i agree with that because like there are plenty of stories where like that it's well used you know like um the dragon tattoo and stuff like that where like that's a central theme of the narrative and uh i think to sean's point i i think that there needs to be stories that deal with that because there are people that are rape survivors right and like that can be a thing that's empowering to someone who is actually a survivor of that and can see someone who isn't a victim and is someone who survived you know and that can be a positive thing but to kale's point it's it's used so frequently and so um like haphazardly like without real thought or without real like like care put into it that i think it's become a thing that it is just kind of gross you know it's an easy way to create trauma for a female character and uh i don't think it's something that should be treated that lightly okay uh i'd like to table that because yeah it's we are we are going to talk about a similar thing for our main topic, not a not similar to rape, but similar to yeah, no, you're right. Of, so yeah, we'll, we'll come back to you. So we will we will uh, bring that up a little bit later. Does anyone have any final thoughts about the trailer itself? We'll see. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And you know, for 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 freeform for that audience, and you know, for me, uh, this trailer ticked all the right boxes whether or not that will amount to a good show remains to be seen all right so the last bit of news that we have here is actually going to lead us into our main topic because this week uh nick spencer the writer of secret empire which did drop this week uh he went on a tweet storm nick spencer is known for tweeting quite a bit he is an avid twitter user um, and he gets into arguments with many, many people, and he made some comments that I thought were really interesting uh, regarding escapism and whether or not entertainment and stories are meant just to be things that we use to escape from the problems that we have in real life, or whether they should be used to challenge us. So I want to read first something from Jeff Lemire, the writer of Bloodshot Salvation. Um, there was a Valiant Summit recently, and and Valiant's doing some really great stuff. You guys should should really check it out if you're into uh, them, or if you just want something other than Marvel or DC stuff. But what I'm interested in here is that the Bloodshot Salvation comic was initially supposed to deal with um, the alt-right and white supremacy. But Lemire decided to remove that from the book. So I want you to listen closely to this uh, quote from him, and then we're going to compare that to what Nick Spencer had to say. The more I worked on the book, the more the politi- political aspects I had planned 
just started to feel obvious and forced. So Bloodshot will no longer be going up against the alt-right or any white supremacists in this series. That stuff was feeling very heavy-handed, and I also felt that including the white supremacist alt-right angle was just distracting from the story I really wanted to tell with Salvation, so I have removed many of those elements from the series altogether. I know personally I get enough politics on a day-to-day basis and know that it's the last thing I want to read about in my comics. If I wasn't feeling it, I knew the reader wouldn't either, so instead I've adapted and adjusted things and focused more on the aspects of the story that excited me. Salvation will be a series that explores faith, revenge, and parenthood, which is what I originally wanted to focus on anyway. So as an aside, I want to say that that actually sounds really cool, and I do want to read that. Um, But now let me go to Nick Spencer and some of the stuff that he had to say. So... The idea that the world is in a bad place, therefore story should be escapism, remains an irresponsible, cowardly argument. That is such a horrible place to consign story, to the emotional equivalent of stress eating. Stories exist to illuminate the world around us, to challenge us, to test us. They are there to help us face our fears, not run from them. So yeah, not impressed with the not now argument. How about exactly now? And then... Just shortly after, someone responded to him by saying, Don't tell us what we want from the stories we've been reading since we were eight. That's condescending, and you are better than that. And Nick's response was with an Alan Moore quote, which is, If the audience knew what they needed, they wouldn't be the audience. Now, (laughs) uh, this really struck me, as I'm sure it probably has struck you guys, because Nick Spencer's perspective is, Hey, nothing should be off the table. Uh, we do this, we tell stories to speak to what's in our hearts and what we feel like we can't go go throughout this day without speaking out about. And Jeff Lemire is saying, well, we talk about politics way too much in our day-to-day life. I want to escape from that in my comics and the story that I want to tell, I'm not going to go there because that's not what people want to read about right now. So... I want to ask you guys, and I know I've been talking for a while, so hopefully you're still with me here, but I want to ask you guys, do you think that comic books and all forms of entertainment, uh, that the primary purpose of them is escapism? No. Um, no, I don't, I don't think it's that simple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think they're both right. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that, um... I don't think Jeff Lemire is wrong. It's Jeff Lemire, right? He said that the other quote. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think Jeff Lemire is wrong for not. If he's exhausted by politics and he doesn't want to write about that stuff anymore, and like, it, it sounds like his motivation for not wanting to write about it is is mostly creative. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. mostly that he's exhausted by writing about this shit. He's not interested in doing it anymore, and that there are other elements of the story that he is interested in exploring, and he's going to re realign. Uh, the story to be in line with what he wants to write about. And I think creatively that totally makes sense. Complete, um, completely within and, his right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's his book and uh, and it's in the best interest of his book because I think he's right that if he's not interested in it, it's going to come across that he's forcing it. Um, so I think that's totally valid. And if Nick Spencer uh, is really politically motivated and he feels that he needs to use his, his, his writing or his art as a platform to explore his political views or to, uh, you know, challenge his political views, then that's also totally valid. Uh, Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, What I thought was interesting about Jeff Lemire's comments in particular 
is that he was building a story around this particular uh, subject matter and then drove himself away from that. I'm glad to see that it was related to the fact that he just didn't feel like that was the strongest story he could tell and not because he felt like there would be a lot of backlash. Because, right, yeah. You know, like, for example, Nick Spencer has dealt with a ton of backlash uh, concerning his Hydra Cap story. Uh, death and threats. A ton. Death threats. Death threats, all the rest of that stuff. And Marvel or Nick could have easily pulled the plug on this story and decided, you know what, we're not going to, uh, we don't want to upset people. And so my Props thing them is. for doubling down on it, too. Yep. You yep. know, like, they, they did not flinch. I I completely agree, and I'm so, so happy. And that's one of the reasons why I've been such a big champion of what they're doing, because it's, it's I mean, it's outrageous. <laughs> and I love that it's outrageous. You know, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like Marvel and DC are doing enough things that are outrageous. I want to see them push boundaries. I want to, I want them to push people's buttons and I want people to talk about these books. And I feel like uh, now more than ever, it's important for us to talk about these books. I mean, literally you have Captain America wearing Hydra garb right now, you know, and how big of an allegory for that, for, for, for our life right now in America is that that's so important. And, the fact that there are so many people trying to shut that down, you know, and not have a conversation because Nick Spencer is is nothing if not he's about dialogue. This is a guy who clearly wants to talk. He's on Twitter talking all day, right? Yeah. And people engage him, but they engage him in a way that's more about silencing him than trying to, you know, have a discourse. And so I'm I'm really looking to ask – should creators look to challenge and engage their readers, potentially making them uncomfortable along the way? Or should they ultimately seek to provide all the thrills without forcing their audiences to ask themselves tough questions about the world they live in? I think I think this comes back to the same way that I feel about like when the argument, or not the argument, but when the conversation around like diversity comes up in, in anything, right? Where it's like, I ultimately think that we need to let creators create and not try to impose our own will or views on them. You know, if you're if you're a person who's out there being like, we need more of this, or we need more of that, or I want less of this, then go write your own fucking comments, man. You know, like and and if you and like I'm not saying that creators are above reproach. I mean that's what we, we sit here and criticize books every week, right? But I think like to sit there and say like, well, comics shouldn't be this and they should be that. Like, that's not your place to say. It's the creator's place. They're the ones writing the books. And if you don't like it, go write something better. And if you can't, then shut up. You know, like, criticize the work for what it is. You know, like, it's, I don't, I don't think that it's, like, valid to say art should be this or art should be that. Well, no, that's not what art's about. It's not about what you think it should be. It's about what a person wants to, like, the story they have to tell or the painting they have to paint, or the song they have to write, and whatever you take away from it is great. But, like, try to impose your own will about, like, we, you know, like, oh, there shouldn't, like, that's, comics aren't the place to talk about politics. Well, fuck you! It's like, there's a million comics that don't talk about politics. Go read them. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's also uh, worth pointing out that Lemire, you know, 
went from the the political challenges of of whatever it was he was writing to challenges of faith and and uh yeah what what was it fatherhood yeah um, yeah it, yeah he just went from one challenge to another because he didn't really feel like he wanted to tackle it like it's just yeah he wasn't like oh i'm gonna take anything that's heavy or weight weighty out of the book yeah you know so it's more digestible I, I i totally agree some of the most important stories that i've ever consumed in any medium were not comfortable for me necessarily to digest at all um and I think that that I mean I don't want to like we we did the political episode and I talked about civil war I've talked about civil war many times, but that story brought up a lot of it caused me to ask myself a lot of questions that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with at that time you know but it was important for that to happen to me, and I think that you you really deprive yourself and we deprive ourselves of having those opportunities when we say well. We shouldn't have these kinds of stories, you know? Yeah, that That's, art should only be escapism. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Like, I said that at the beginning, and I want to make that blatantly clear. Like, there's nothing wrong with, like, like the fucking Looney Tunes or something like that. <laughs> that is just fun and funny and makes you laugh or, or makes you forget about all the, like, grossness of the world. That's important, too. But, like, they're both equally important. They're both valid. It's just, like, you need to have a different flavor for every mood, you know? And it's like, why? I don't know why we're in a rush to try and homogenize things and make everything the same. Well, it's because people want everything to be the thing that they like, you know? Well, and that's fucking dumb. Yeah. Like, sorry, if you feel that way, like, you're an asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, straight up. You know, it's he like you're, you're asking for the world to be less interesting. You're asking for there to be less, like, options for you. Like, that's stupid. Like, go like the things you like. You know, I just, I don't understand this, like, I don't understand why people are so negative in general about shit. You know, it's like, if you don't like something, that's fine. Go celebrate the things that you do like. You don't need to, like, go out of your fucking way to, like, send Nick Spencer fucking death threats because you don't like Captain America right now. It's like, well, guess what? He won't be writing it in a year, and it'll be somebody else, and it'll be exactly what you wanted. So just fucking get over it. You know, it's like, just... It's like, there, there's hundreds, what, 70 years of Captain America being Captain America that you can go read? It's like, relax, all right? I'm not happy about it either, but it'll, it, it, it's a story, and there'll be a lot more. This has been Pete's Soapbox. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Sorry, I get fired up, man. I don't, like, I don't like people telling artists what they should and shouldn't do. Well, a lot of the commentary uh, on Twitter surrounding the particular discussion with Nick Spencer was very centered around why someone like him would even write Captain America, which I thought was pretty uh, pretty silly. So what does Beca that even mean? Because he has opinions like, for example, he didn't think that it was okay that that Nazi Richard Spencer got punched in the face. Uh, he thought that, legally speaking, that was not okay, which it actually is not. And he questioned the slippery slope of deciding it's okay to punch certain people whose opinions you do not agree with. And so a lot of people were saying, well, superhero stories are all about that. Superhero stories are all about being a vigilante and taking extra legal measures to solve problems. And yeah, but there's a huge difference between punching a person who says things that you don't like versus a supervillain. 
Well, I mean, you could make the argument like like if you base it a little bit more in like realism, that's basically what that was. It was like it's a superhero punching a bad guy. You know, you put you give the guy uh, a little mask and what he's a superhero. You give the other guy a uh, a fake ray gun. He's a supervillain. Like, what does it really matter? I mean, yeah, I would call I would call Nazi supervillains. I don't I don't have any problem with that. But again, like, and again, like, I'm not a fucking Nazi sympathizer, obviously, <laughs> but like, I see, I see where Nick Spencer is coming from. Yeah. You know, because like, it's the thing of like, there is a huge, like, you're not fucking Captain America. You're some fucking kid in a mask who punched a guy who says things you don't like. That is way different. And to Marco's point, like, oh, you give this guy a ray gun. Well, it's like, a ray gun's a weapon, dude. Like, if there's a fucking Nazi with a gun... <laughs> walking around, mil- you know, militarizing people, and you beat that guy up, that's probably okay. But, like, I'm just saying, like, there's a difference. And I don't, I don't fucking like, what's the name of the guy who got punched? Richard um, Spencer. Wait, that's his name? Yeah, Richard Spencer. Oh, Richard Spencer. Sorry. Um. So, yeah, I don't fucking like him at all. And, like, did I share some memes about him getting punched in the face? Yes. <laughs> did I laugh? Yes. As a person, Am I glad he got punched in the face? Yes. But, like, ideologically, do I think that's the right thing to do? No. Would I have done that? No. I don't think it's right to just hit people that you don't agree with. Yeah. Yeah. But, I and mean. try to silence them, to Sean's point. Yeah. It, but to that point, I mean, uh, you know. Fuck Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly, a, you know, a cool ideological thing to, you know, believe you're better than several races of people. Like. No, not but but again, like I don't think that's what that's what Nick Spencer is. That's not what Nick Spencer is saying. Yeah, yeah. He's saying that celebrating beating someone up because they don't agree with you is a slippery slope, and that's right. What, but isn't that what superheroes do, dude? I'm having like this whole thing right now in my head where I'm just like, hold on, I'm I'm the guy who celebrates the guy who punches another dude. But superheroes are fake. That's a fake world. Right, but I'm saying we use them as an analog in real life. Like We, we use them fine. as... And uh, use them as an analog, that's fine. But it's not a one-to-one comparison, and that's the problem. You know, like, Captain America punching Hitler is not the same thing as you punching Richard Spencer. You know, like, he's not Hitler. Like, he's some dickhead with a blog, you know? And, like, he's got influence, and yet he's saying vile things. He's doing things that are bad. But it's it's so not the same thing as someone who is actually killing people, you know. Like, and that's that that's the difference. Is like when superheroes are punching people, they're punching people to stop other people from getting hurt. Well, what if it's just something as simple as you you're not agreeing with somebody else? Like that, there's we have those kinds of uh, issues in comics where you don't you don't necessarily have those same like like Civil War is a battle between ideologies and they start kicking their asses for about it, you know. And that's and, and I mean yeah that's my pro that's one of my big problems with Civil War and also Avengers versus X Men and also Batman versus Superman like these guys are supposed to be best friends why don't they just talk it out well Marco because that doesn't make good for good comics like <laughs> yeah like that's the reality yeah of it. and it's like they're not supposed to be a direct animal you know yeah like, why does why it, we apply them to real life but they're not real life like there there's so many comments on especially on like tumblr about you know how how batman could with all the money he's using you know bruce wayne to 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 fund his his batman venture you know he could do so much other stuff and uh, you know uh increase uh the police force 
in in Gotham and uh, make for better crime rehabilitation and blah blah blah. And then one comment just put it so succinctly that was just like, "Why does everybody want to see Bruce Wayne write a check? Like that's not <laughs> that's not good content." Well, but like that'd be an interesting story, Bruce Wayne the philanthropist. That's but it's been done. Uh, really. It's in uh, Bruce Wayne Murderer. He comes back from, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the false murder charge of uh, uh, whoever the fuck it was he killed. And he goes out and we see his day-to-day. He gives a, 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 male, a male boy his uh, uh, a scholarship to go to Gotham University. He, uh, you know, we see all just everything he does in his day-to-day. And 90% of it is giving away money. See... The thing is, and I think that 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 ties in to the overarching discussion that we're having here, is that Batman, like, it's assumed, right, that Bruce Wayne does all of that, right? Um, It's assumed that he's a good guy. It's assumed that he gives away money. It's assumed that he donates to, you know, hospitals and different things like that. Because we see Wayne Tech all over the place. That's what he does. Um. But there's an element in Gotham that can only be defeated by Batman. So that's why he has to put on the costume. You could also argue that there's an element that he created, though. You could also argue that there's an element that he created, but I feel like that's, you know, that's like a, that's a whole other thing. That's, right? I, yeah. Right, like we're starting to pull at strings of superheroes, and that's why superheroes aren't real. Right. Yeah. yeah. And And so when you talk about escapism, like for me, the reason why I read superhero comics alongside everything else uh and and the reason why i care about them so much is because yes these are people wearing capes and tights or carrying shields or shooting lasers but there's a core element of humanity that these characters possess and that these stories talk about that are relevant to me and so earlier when we were talking about rape as a uh, plot device um yes that is a very heavy subject right but i for me it would be worse for it to never be used than for it to be used and make me feel uncomfortable because at the end of the day that services someone in the sense that there are people who can benefit and i can benefit by saying hey man this is really like you know this is really screwed up like i hate this and that brings awareness to me. I, I don't need that, but like for, you know, maybe younger me or a different person or a different circumstance, it might not be rape. It might be domestic abuse. It might be, you know, whatever it is. And I feel like stories shouldn't be barred from bringing any of that stuff to the to the table. But I will say, you know, to Kale's point, and, and Pete, you brought this up as well earlier, if you're not treating it respectfully, then... You know, don't be surprised when your story isn't well received. That being said, I don't think anyone should be restricted from using any of those things in their stories because, at the end of the day, that's their right to do it. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I agree. And so, you know, when you're talking about escapism, I think it's great for you to have Transformers. You know, those movies like have them. You know, like your mileage may be var- may vary as to how good they are, but ultimately they are, they they do what they're supposed to do. There's summer blockbusters that. Make people laugh and smile. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah, I think um, I think ultimately the 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 movies in the MCU are pretty much all escapism. You know, what I mean, like Civil War is the first one that really wasn't like that didn't just end on like a high note. You know, 
And like, there's a place for that. You know, it's like, you know, like I, I think there's, there's certainly value to that. There's certainly value in something that just makes you feel good. You know, like there, that's, that's important too. Um, I don't think that like escapism is a dirty word by any means. And I think a lot of people like to use it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's just as important as something that makes you think or feel or grow is something that also like makes you feel okay, you know, at the end of a shitty day or whatever, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Me. And I think, I mean, Pete, how many games have you played? You know, like how many games have I played? How many hours have I spent, you know, in front of the computer playing World of Warcraft? That is pure escapism, right? Yeah, man. Like that's my outlet. Like, everyone... like, like I love, I love platformers. Like I love, like I love fucking like, so when uh when my when my therapist asked me to go to my happy place, I immediately think of Super Mario World. Nah. So. <laughs> yeah, and and so it's it's important for everyone to have that, and if for you, that is you know, vapid uh, stories that don't really have any like they don't really have weight to them, but they're fun and exciting. That's phenomenal. We have to have that. But don't. Why would you want someone? To not have the other side of that, if that's yeah, why wouldn't to you? Them. Why wouldn't you want someone else to have what they want? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's really disheartening. To Don't see put art in a box, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> and again, and you know, I, I'll say it again. I've said it on this show before, and I'll say it again. It is most disheartening who specifically, like the individuals that this comes from. Because it comes from a lot of the people who claim to be very liberal-minded. If you're liberal-minded, truly, why would you want to silence anyone? Why would you want to limit what art can be? Why would you burn comic books? Why would you burn books? Why would you do these things? That's the funniest thing, man. I remember when you were just like, the fact that people were burning books. It's like, you're fucking burning books! You know who else burned the books? Nazis. All right? You're burning a book about Nazis like a fucking Nazi. Well, and then they had to buy the books to do that. Yep. Yep. And and what lesson does Marvel learn from that? <laughs> they <laughs> paid money for the comic. They can use all the money you're giving them to print more sweet kindling. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and for the people who actually like it, all you did was drive up the value of the copies that they own, so... Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that one. So, yeah, I know that we've we've talked about this stuff quite a bit in the past, but I think it's 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 very important and it's really unfortunate to see a lot of the attacks that happen uh towards creators. I recently saw Dan Slot uh arguing with a fan on Twitter um and the fan was saying, you know, Basically, he was saying, "Why are you so outgoing? Why do you why do you say the kinds of things that you say on Twitter?" And Dan Slott was saying, essentially, "I'm I'm angry, and I don't like the fact that uh, I've received death threats." And then the fan said, "Well, have you ever considered the fact that the people who are sending you death threats are people who you've hurt through your through your stories?" and Dan Slott said, number one, uh, the next time you have the NYPD sit you down with a folder full of threats against your life, uh, you can speak to me again. And number two, these are fictional characters, dude. Yeah. Even so, 
That's not an appropriate response to someone hurting you is to threaten their life. I don't care, the, whatever the motivation. I fucking love Spider-Man too, but like, get over it. It's like, what, what privilege do you have that that's your big issue? Oh yeah, right. They're like, this is the great travesty of your life. Like, I'm a 27-year-old white guy, and I went to work with a migraine yesterday, but I didn't write Nick Spencer and <laughs> give him a death threat about, you know, how he's changed Captain America. Like, I like be an adult. Like, <laughs> shit. Yeah, right? It's like, seriously, if you want to have your, if you want to bitch about comics and have your opinions heard, start a podcast, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> be like the rest of us. Well, I would say that the 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 true uh, the true escapism is us trying to escape from Phil. Points end of, of episode. That- Boom. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You're right. <laughs> You're right. Done. We're done. The real uh, thing we gotta escape from is the Russian hand. <laughs> and it's, it seems like the four of us have done a pretty good job so far. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so hopefully you enjoyed our discussion about escapism. Uh, my final thought on this issue is don't try to escape from alternative points of view. Uh, hear them out, you know. Uh, have respectful discourse with people. And... Accept the fact that not everyone's going to agree with you, but at the end of the day, there is a way to find common ground. And you probably won't find common ground with Richard Spencer because he's a douche, but, you know, he has the right to be a douche. And until he harms you physically or harms anyone physically, you know, let's also not physically harm him or anyone else. You know, let's keep our hands to ourselves. Marco, go ahead. You know what, guys? I don't don't think I like superheroes. Like, I don't, like, I think... I think Batman's kind of stupid. I don't. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm headed to punch you. <laughs> I'm punch you in the face, Marco. Marco, I'm gonna yeah. suplex you through a table. That's what I like. That's it, what Kale. that's what Phil says, right? Yeah. Once I learn what a suplex is, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> so with that, that wraps up our conversation here. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you guys, the listeners, the pals at home about your thoughts on this subject or anything that we talked about on this episode. And you can reach us all over the place. As I said earlier, we are on all podcast hosting platforms, uh, including iTunes, where we would appreciate that five-star rating, especially because we don't have Phil, who <laughs> brings us down a bit. So now that it's just the four of us, uh, we do appreciate... We have a six-star rated podcast now. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Break the mold. Um you can, you can hit us up on there. You can hit us up on all the social medias at the Comics Pals. Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And on YouTube, you can like this video, share it with your friends, leave us a comment, and subscribe to the channel, which is super important. The most essential way that you can help us out is to let other people know what we are doing. And I'd like to issue a challenge to listeners. Uh, I want to know how you found this show. I want to know how you came to engage with the Comics Pals. So if you could leave us a comment with just the way that you found the show, I'd really appreciate it. So please do do that. Plugs, Pete. <laughs> Doo-doo. <Doo-doo. laughs> oh, God, you guys. 
All right. Uh, so, guys, thanks for joining us here on another episode of The Comics Pals. If you want to get some more content from me, you can go uh, check out my writing over at CBR.com. Um, just search Pete and Bessie, you'll find me. Uh, I took a week off because I was sick last week, so uh, my most recent article is still about 15 defunct publishers. I've got two uh, coming up this week. I'm going to be doing a quiz about who said it, Thanos or Darkseid. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. And then a, uh, a list about uh, the 15 best cartoon theme songs so you can go check those out and help me pay the bills um and then uh if you want to get some more youtube content from me you can check out my youtube channel slack and slash uh at slack and slash.com or youtube.com slash slack and slash where uh, we do a podcast on mondays and then um let's plays on tuesdays and thursdays so if you're a gamer go check that stuff out and uh, if you want to get at me personally you can just follow me on social media at loud underscore pete on twitter and instagram and uh Come ask me about what that moment from Invincible was. Cool, Kale. Pete, if that mo- if that if the number one theme song isn't Pokemon, I'm gonna be sorely disappointed. Pokemon. It's definitely it's on the list. I'll give you that. I, I won't tell you if it's at number one because you got to click on it and find out. It's Batman Beyond. That's a really good one, Marco. Kale, hit but it. it's no number one. Uh, so this week for my uh. For my uh, form of escapism, I'm going to plug uh, the Netflix series uh, Terrace House. It's a Japanese reality uh, show uh, that's basically uh, three men and three women get a house and a car. And uh, they basically are just allowed to uh, live their lives. And uh, some of them start dating. Some of them don't. Uh, there's uh, there's drama. There's uh, cooking. There's, you know, dates. <laughs> It's it's fuck? a it's a really just it's a simple show. It's like Big Brother, but without all the backstabbing and stuff. It's a real simple, just nice show. Um, just watch, just watch. Wait, wait, what country is it in? in? Japan. It would be. So it's just watch some Japanese people eat and drive. Sounds it's, pretty cool. It's nice. It's just a nice riveting. It's just a nice show. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, you can find my comics at. Uh, you can find my comics at uh, Panels Publishing on uh, Comicsology <laughs> and uh, Selfie.com backslash Panels uh, Panels Publishing. You'll find us on Facebook at Panels Comics, uh, Twitter at Comics with an X. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O D. Listen, guys, I'm being vulnerable right now. All I want to do is tell the nice people. About my, about my nice show. <laughs> and you guys... <laughs> Marco, can you please tell us where we can find you? Uh, you can find me at woeismarco uh, on Instagram and woeismarco underscore on Twitter. And um, I just wanted to plug um, one of my... Uh, at my local comic shop, they support local artists. And um, so there's this... Uh, uh, one of my friends, his name is Kyle Rose. He just released his uh, a new a new comic he's doing. So it's called The Working Stiff about a zombie who has to make a living. Um, it's sideways. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's sideways. It's not um, the oh, regular. Oh, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Um. So everything's like double spread. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He did he, he did the he did the the writing the art. So go check that out if you're a New York local. And also um. Electricity is her element by Kathleen Kralwick. Uh It's another kind of weird. Um, it looks like kind of like a pamphlet, 
Huh. Um, yeah. But it's it's another kind of comic that uh, she's she's a local Nuke City, and she um, uh, publishes her stuff by herself, uh, and so does Kyle, and they released it their uh, their issues um, at Mysterious Time Machine in the city. So go check it out if you guys can. And for me, I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. Hit me up to argue about Nick Spencer, Secret Empire. I will tell you why you are wrong and probably didn't read a <laughs> single issue of any of this. And then you will get mad at me for bringing that up. Um, and yeah, talk to me about anything. So with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. I don't have a joke for this one.